Hey, what is up, everyone? Welcome to the Whiskey Sessions podcast. This is A Metz. I'm here with B Pimp. B, what's up with you? I'm doing great. Glad to hear it. Um, this is episode 88. Can't believe we made it this long. Yeah, I was just thinking the other day about like when we get to 100 pretty soon. How crazy is that going to be? Mm-hmm. 100 episodes. And you know what's crazy? They've all been perfect. I know. Yeah. It's like it, when you get to that number, you would expect like maybe there would be an off episode, but there never has been, which is such a testament to us. It is. And I think 100 is when it goes into syndication too, so we can start getting those royalties from being on TBS. Oh, finally. I would love it. <laughs> if somebody like TBS was so desperate for content, they just started syndicating like a podcast and they didn't even have the video. It's just, just TBS switches to an audio only show. It can be cut by commercials. That's fine. It's a test pattern with us, with our audio. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. Well, we have a really good episode. We are talking about our favorite types of beer. And I realized when I was putting this list together, I don't know about you, Brian, but um, I don't know. I drink a fair amount of beer, but I wouldn't consider myself a beer snob or even particularly astute when it comes to the kind of beers I'm drinking. For I, you, was it was it easy to put together? I, it wasn't easy. I do feel like I pay attention to styles because I'm curious about it. Um, so I knew kind of what I wanted where my the interest came in for me is figuring out where do the beers I think of fit in with the like accepted styles? So that was, it was kind of interesting to put it together. And I put a little blurb with each one in my list to describe it a little bit. So it was a nice little project. Ooh, I like that. We also, of course, we've got a whiskey uh, that uh, we've got to try because that is the name of our podcast. But before we get to that, um, hmm, you know, a little... I want to say a little distracted. I'm smelling something. Are you smelling that, Brian? It's like kind of, it's, it's a meat, definitely. Was it sausage? Beef. Oh, it's beef. It's beef, I think. Wait, is this your beef? It is my beef. Oh, that must mean we have a bee's beef. I don't eat meat, but I've got beef. bee's beef. Bee's beef. Incoming beef. All right, Brian, lay it down for him. This one goes out to Rob Manfred and the owners of Major League Baseball franchises from Sea to Shining Sea. The owner's operation to get players to subsidize their losses for a shortened MLB season continues unabated. We've heard this collection of whiny billionaires use a variety of bad faith negotiating tactics in public, from splitting hairs about what constitutes a profit center to using the pandemic to try to squeeze in a few years of expanded playoffs to further line their pockets. This all goes on against the backdrop of short-sighted efforts to contract minor league baseball franchises and shorten the amateur draft, which will decrease the number of players who ever get a chance at playing professionally. So I have two closing comments for Mr. Manfred and the owners. One, congratulations on finding so many new ways to ruin a sport once beloved enough to be known as America's pastime. And two, miss me with the bullshit. Miss you with the bullshit. I could not agree with that more. What is baseball doing? They're um, basically capsizing. <laughs> I, I like have never seen a sport so. You know what I think it is. Like no, no, nothing else would make this many consecutive mistakes to harm their own game, unless they thought they were so essential that they can never be taken down. 
You think it's uh, hubris? It's hubris to the the maxis. Like, yeah. I feel like baseball is going to go the way of boxing at this point. I mean, it's – I think – they maybe underestimate like kind of what you said, they maybe underestimate the willingness of a lot of people to just abandon it. Like, cause this is all very, I mean, I'm not, I'm no economist. I'm no like genius or anything. I can figure this out. Like I see what they're doing. They're just like, eh, this is a year when we may, we won't make quite as much money as we make every single year. So we're going to try to get the players to, to share some of that. It's like, come on, it's just ridiculous. It's so, it's so transparent. And I think they probably know that there are people that don't care. Like they're just pl- unplugged. And then as soon as the season comes back, they'll, they'll jump right back in. But anybody who like is paying attention to what's happening right now is not going to be happy about it. There are so many things about baseball that I like. And when we had that episode with Ryan, maybe it was a couple episodes ago at this point uh, that w- we talked about like the greatest sports moments and so many of them, naturally are baseball moments because baseball lends itself so well to like heightened tension before a big moment occurs. But at the same time, like I'm finding that while I still love going to baseball games, my general interest of any team is like waning. I go to games knowing like I hardly know anyone who's even on the A's and then whoever else they're playing, I have no idea who's on that team either. Like my level of interest is just just enough but it could fall off completely it's just above like non-existent (laughs) right yeah it's a no i understand i mean it's hard like i'm a white Sox fan and i still like that team but it's just when you start getting into anything about like how the sport is run and and look back on things even back to like the 90s with the steroid issues and stuff like that like there's there's been a lot of stuff that's kind of simmering under the surface and now it's kind of with all the the aggravating factors going on in the world it's i don't know they may have some issues on their hands yeah and it's just marketed so poorly there are no stars anymore it feels like Mike Trout is that's why they, that's like an ongoing thing is Mike Trout is the best player in the game like hands down but he's so blah that he's not like even when Barry Bonds was dominating like he was a very surly guy and he he wasn't really like fan friendly but he was at least a personality of some kind take me back to the 90s where you had like Griffey and you had Frank Thomas and you had like Ricky Henderson like all these like fun stars like big unit and you just i don't know we are we are sorely lacking for that i feel like right now yeah it's gonna be i'm trying to see like i'm not gonna i'm very upset obviously as you can tell by my beef but i'm not gonna say like i'll never watch it again i'm i'm pretty much on the i pretty much decided i'm boycotting the nfl but baseball like I just hope they get their act together. Maybe they can like, I mean, the owners probably love the commissioner because he's the one that's concerned about them making more money. So they probably like it and won't, won't get rid of them anytime soon, but I think it would help if they shook it up somehow. There's going to, I think there might be a strike coming. Yeah. I, uh, no, it, it is, it is like disappointing. And I, I really would love baseball to be like just a sport that people cared about again. Yeah. I'll say this. All of the beast beef so far have been on point and timely. None timelier and more on point than this one, though. Why, thank you. Pun intended, hit it out of the park. Yes. It was, I was very, it's true passion coming through. Now, and you can feel it when it's an issue that you care about and you have a beef for it. There is 
no filter. Um, and it, it just, it just comes straight from the heart and I think really goes into, um, the earwaves of our listeners. When it, when this episode airs on TBS, I hope Rob Manfred is watching it. <laughs> I hope so too. Um, at that point, I don't even think TBS will be airing baseball anymore. They would have dropped it for us cause we're going to demand such high fees. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, all right. What whiskey do you have the pimp for the listeners to try? We recently had some Driftless Glen bourbon, and I liked it so much I went back and got the rye. Ooh, very nice. So this, the last time the bourbon was um, bottled by Max, this was bottled by Nate, so it's his, his buddy. Um, it's batch number seven. It is made in Baraboo, Wisconsin, um, home of whatever Driftless Glen they're talking about. It's 48% alcohol by volume. It has the same blurb on the back about the water and Baraboo and the spirit and everything, which is great. It's next to the Baraboo River. And I couldn't be more excited to try it. Awesome. Well, we know the, the bourbon was good. I can't imagine that they would do a poor job on the rye, but I guess we're about to find out. Yeah, that's why I have such high hopes. And I was, it's been sitting in my kitchen for a couple of weeks, and I've been very tempted to try it, but I've waited. I, the listeners will appreciate that you're coming in with you know, no preconceived notions of what it's going to be like. It's a f- fresh take. Fresh as the waters of the Baraboo River. <laughs> it smells very spicy. So you've got it neat. I have it neat in my trusty Woodford Reserve glass that I always use. It's not quite as spicy as a lot of rye. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have the punch. Normally, they, it's like literally spicy that the spicy character is so up front this one kind of grows a little bit as after you've taken the sip just like the bourbon you can taste that it the ingredients are very fresh i think it really i'm joking about the water but i think they really do use high quality water it's got some interesting characters that i haven't really noticed in rise that i've had before that i'm having a hard time pinpointing because i don't have the most developed whiskey palette even though i've tried quite a few of them but with all that being said, it's definitely smooth. It's definitely going on the smooth train. Um, I do think I like the bourbon slightly better, but it's, this is still excellent, and I would try it again. Great to know that we have another whiskey on the smooth train. What do you look for in a rye? Like, would you have appreciated it to have a little more kick to it, a little more spice? I do, I do appreciate that. The one I always think about that, I probably might be my, one of my favorites is few. Their rye is very spicy and upfront and kind of has that punch. I like it. I, but I appreciate this style too, where it, it picks up as, as it sits with you a little bit. And I, and I do like that. It's not a negative by any means, just a different style. Nice. Yeah. I feel like the rye I had last time wasn't very spicy either. And it kind of caught me off guard because you almost get ready for it. Yeah. No, maybe that's it. Maybe just having, having that experience mm-hmm. of having had quite a few of them by now, I'm, I'm kind of bracing for it, but this one was just like a nice, pleasant spiciness. All right. Well, if you haven't had the bourbon from Wisconsin yet, get the rye too. have them both driftless Glen. And it's got a wheel, like a, like a, what are those called? The hydroelectric dams, you know? Oh, I know what you mean. Um, what are those called? I can't think of the name of it. You know, it's got one of those things. 
people will know what we mean by the way we're kind of like expertly describing around what we're talking about. Exactly. Um, all right. So uh, another one on the smooth train in the books. Now we've got to get to our top five. Not to shift gears too much, but we're going to do it. We are talking about beers for our top five. Uh, and I know in the past we've talked about our favorite beers, our favorite cheap beers, uh, and all that. This time we're actually talking about our favorite types of beer. So, yeah, let's get to it. These are our top five types of beers. More than four, less than six, it's the top five. B Pimp, what is your number five? Number five for me is the Belgian Triple. Ooh. Pretty specific. What do you like about it? I love a Belgian triple just because um, one of the examples of this beer that I like is Le Fin du Monde, which is uh, a beer that I've liked for a very long time. I don't drink it very often because it's extremely strong. Um, a triple comes from the part of the brewing process when which brewers use up to three times the amount of malt that they usually use in a Trappist beer. And the reason Trappist beer are all the ones that Belgian monks make. So you'll see like the, usually the branding on the bottle is really obvious that it's a Trappist beer, but um, they're bright yellow uh, to deep golden color. And they're kind of similar looking to Pilsners, but they're very high alcohol. And I stole some of these for all of my styles from beer advocate. They have a nice um, on their website. They have a nice kind of like you can click any style and see examples um, and see some, just descriptions that are generally found in those beers. And because they're high alcohol, it's usually good to have like have these as a sipping beer, not not one that you're going to want to drink like a bunch on a hot summer day kind of thing. Another one that I really like is Triple Carmelite, which is also Belgian. And then in Pennsylvania, there's a brewery, um, Victory Brewery, and they make Golden Monkey, which is one of my favorite American versions of this beer. But yeah, I love a Triple yeah, the, the Fin du Mont you're talking about, super good. I like, for some reason, when I was putting together my list, I wasn't thinking enough about beers that I like in doses. The ones where you have a little bit of it, you're not going to drink a lot of it. Right. My number five is Saison. Uh, and I think part of the reason I like Saisons are, first of all, James, who made our beer for our wedding, he made us a Saison, which was excellent. So it kind of has like a special place in my memory for that. But I feel like I never go wrong with that. It's, it, it's got a little something to it, but it's not going to be like a sour. I'm not like a big fan of sours, but I still like just a little something in that direction. Uh, so that kind of fits the bill for me. Yes, I am a fan and I will have more to say about Saison. Um, all right. What's your number four? Uh, my number four is a Pilsner specifically. I like, I found out today that I like Bohemian Pilsners the most, which I didn't know they're technically like the original ones. Cause it started in the Czech Republic and they're a little bit darker and higher in, uh, gravity quote unquote, which I don't fully know what that means in brewing, but I think it has to do with like just the, the character of the final beer, but it's a little bit darker than German Pilsners, which are probably more popular. I really like Pilsner Urkel and Lagunitas makes a beer, just pills. It's like all capitalized P I L S. And that's also Bohemian. So I learned that today. I didn't know that I liked, I didn't know that there were so many different types of Pilsner, but that's my favorite kind. 
Oh, you know, I I really like the Lagunitas pills. Didn't realize it was Bohemian style, um, but that, that gives me something to think about because you'll hear a little bit more about it later. All right. All right, my number four is, this is like the most specific one on my list probably, Mexican style lager. Ooh, interesting. I don't know specifically kind of what the difference is between a general lager and a Mexican style lager. My sense is from just tasting it that it's got like a, a lit, little bit more bite to it. Sometimes seems a little bit lighter, uh, but uh, I've had a few and one that I really like, it's out of uh, San Diego, I want to say. You know, San Diego's actually got some pretty good breweries, but um, it's this Cerveza uh, Respeto from uh, Mason Aleworks. And let's, let me double check. I think it is San Diego. Yep. Well, San Diego County. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's like a really good day drinking beer, but without, but it gives you like a little bit of kick, like just a little something. Would you count in this um, things like, like more mass available things like Pacifico and is that fall into this category for you or is that different? Um, that's a great question. I, I don't know if Pacifico exactly falls into that category. I think it might. Okay. Pacifico strikes me as a little bit lighter than what I'm drinking. Cause I've had a couple other, which I would think were more close to the, to, to your entry, like, uh, um, 21st amendment makes one. Mm-hmm. I think it's El Sully or something like that. That's from California, I believe. Yes. Uh, that's from San Francisco. That yeah. That's great. Pacifico considers itself a Mexican style Pilsner. Aha. There we go. Yeah. Uh, that's why it is my number four. Definitely. It's just a good day drinking beer. That's an excellent choice. All right. What is your number three? Number three, wild ales. So uh, we actually had one of those when we were there and we went to Russian river. I think it was temptation, but they have about four wild ales that they make, which I wish I would have like put that together. Cause I would have seen if other ones were available too. Cause I love a good wild ale, but they're basically just beers that they introduce a wild yeast or bacteria to them during the brewing process. And depending on what type of bacteria it is, it could have like a really strong impact on the flavor or kind of a more muted impact. Another one that falls into this category is um, I just mentioned victory brewing in Pennsylvania. They make golden monkey. They also make a version of that. That's a sour wild ale called sour monkey. That is one of my favorite beers, but it's like Le Fin du Monde where you have one and you're good. So uh, that's, it's a style that I just recently within the last couple of years started in exploring. And I like a lot. I don't feel like I know anything about wild ales. Probably have had some. Do you, is it that it kind of gives it a slight sour taste to have wild yeast in a process like that? Or what does it do? Yes, it does. It gives it, uh, the bacteria gives it, it's like not fully, sour like a sour beer or a goza kind of beer but it's uh it's definitely there it's kind of halfway between just a like it's it's not like a hop character it's more of a bitterness that it adds and one of the things that's interesting that i i know from talking to james is that 
when you're brewing these, they're kind of dangerous because the bacteria, they're wild, like, like it sounds. So they can't control it. So if you have bad like separation between your beers, it could jump to another beer and like ruin all of your beer. <laughs> so they told, he told me that a lot of the breweries that make them, they have like a whole separate physical location where they make all their wild beer or sours. Huh? I feel like that's dedication to making that kind of beer. Yeah. They're really good. Great pick. All right. My number three is wit beer. Big fan of those. Yeah. I, I, there are a lot of different beers that fit this category. My first thought is always Allagash white, but it's, I think it's my go-to. Uh, if I go to a bar and I maybe don't know that many of the beers on tap, I don't want to accidentally be stuck with like a porter or something like that or a sour, then wit beer for me is perfect for just, I feel like there's a lot of consistency across the type and I haven't had one that I dislike. Yeah, I agree. It's a very solid, respectable style. That's the good ones. Like Allagash White is great. And I love the fact that I can get it in cans. I don't know how long they've been selling it in cans, but I've seen it recently in cans. I like it. The tall boys. Yeah. Yeah. At least by oh, me. I don't know. Huh. Well, I don't see, regrettably, I don't see Allagash that much here. Oh, it, what is it? Maine? It's brewed in Maine yeah. or something? Okay. can't bring it all the way to California, apparently. I don't know. I, I, I think it's around a little bit, but it's, it's not as prevalent as it is in Chicago. I could probably send you some cans. Oh, <laughs> I'm sure I could. I'll just, I just need to look it up. It's got to be somewhere. I'm gonna, I mean, you're going to get a giant box one day, and it's going to just be a bunch of cans of Allagash White. <laughs> <laughs> don't put, like any kind of protective wrapping or anything like that. Nope. And as soon as the package comes, I'll just open one immediately and it'll like spray in my face. Yep. It adds care. That adds to the experience. I dropped a six pack of beer today. None of them broke. Uh, well, I mean, they were cans. They were tall boy cans. Um, they all fell off the ring of that. The six pack was holding them and just like everywhere in the kitchen, the cans were. So I'm like very nervous to open those in the near future. I, I, it sounds to me, that's very impressive that you were able to drop it and all six cans dislodged. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I should say there's five cans dislodged. The sixth one had the ring on it. Oh, okay. It's it a solid drop. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. What's your number? What are we on? Two. I think I'm on number two. Yeah. Um, the aforementioned Cezanne. Wow. I love a Cezanne. Yeah. And the reason that sealed it for me is that I was trying to find what Apex Predator is considered, and it's technically considered a Cezanne. Oh, wow. So I, I'm thinking I should have put Cezanne higher. I know. It shot way up because I always thought on Apex, Off Color puts on the can or bottle of Apex Predator that's a farmhouse ale, which it is, but I didn't know this either. Farmhouse ales encapsulate Cezanne's, Wild Ales, all kinds of styles. It's like an umbrella over mm. them. So they're being... Re, re, I like the sound of a farmhouse ale, so I understand like that's probably why they put it on there, but I was like, yeah, if that's a Cezanne, that's, that's firmly... And only because I love number one so much is it not number one. But also, I don't know if you've had Boulevard from Kansas City. They have a beer called Tank 7, which is a Saison, which is delicious. Um, I don't think I've had that particular one, but I have had Boulevard. Yeah, Boulevard's great. And that one 
is anytime I see it, I buy it because it's so good. Um, and I don't see it that often. But Cezanne Dupont is a English or not English European Cezanne that's really good. And then Three Floyds actually made one that I've just started seeing in the last few months called Rabbit Rabbit. That's delicious as well. Yeah, I had not really put that together. That's what Apex Predator was. And I had heard farmhouse sales associated with Saisons before, although I didn't know that farmhouse also encapsulated wild. That's a, I, that, it was new to me. They call them that. And they also, I guess they started as like a summertime beer in Belgium, but now in the U.S. especially, they just brew them all year round because they're popular. So it's kind of changed over time, I think, a little bit. Good pick. All right, my number two is IPA. We talked about this before the episode, but it, I, it encapsulates all IPA things, which is kind of why I had to put it number two, because the traditional IPA probably wouldn't be my number two. But I love a good session IPA, and for some of my favorite beers are double IPAs. So I couldn't, I could not ignore the whole IPA family. Uh, and with that in mind, that's why I had to be my number two, because Certainly, as far as double IPAs go, Pine of the Elder out of Russian River, that is one of my very favorite beers. And um, it's been one of my favorites for a long time, too. And it's nice to be back in the state that has them. And so it's, I had to put it number two. I, I maybe surprisingly left IPAs off entirely, even though I do love session IPAs, as you mentioned. But I've just... At one time, it would have been my number one, but it's fallen way down my list. I think this speaks to the fact that we could do this kind of list, you know, year after year, and our taste would change. Oh, yeah. I think a lot. For a while, I would have had IPAs probably number one. Then within the last five years, I think they fell off my list. And now they're starting to creep up again. But that is actually an interesting idea. Maybe we could do another one later of this, an update. Yeah. Like an Unsolved Mysteries when they have the update at the end. Mm-hmm. Just like that. <laughs> well, well, just re-release this episode and then just put like a 30-second update at the end and we'll just like rapid fire our new list. And Robert Stack will be the narrator. Mm-hmm. Is he alive? He's not, but we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We'll... <laughs> We'll, we'll mess with the audio of his voice. We'll do some creative cutting. Yep. Okay, what is your your number one? My number one is a beer that it doesn't sound like you're a huge fan of, which is a sour, and specifically a fruited sour. Um, I cheated a little bit, like I mentioned, because technically, I guess, sours are wild ales, but I think that there's so many examples of a fruit-based sour that I like that I just kind of made it its own thing. Today I have from Lombard's Noon Whistle, Guava Goza Smack Sour Wheat Ale, which is like a, they have pink Himalayan sea salt and they, it's got a lot of pear and strawberry and that's very good. So I'm good to know that there's a local sour uh, that I could go to. And then I, I picked up another one at Benny's that's left hand makes and it's called Wheels Goes Arounda. And that's a nice pun for their title, but it's also raising money for MS. So I thought, hey, it's a sour and it's doing good deeds. So I'm going to buy that. Um, oh, nice. and, and it's quite excellent. And they use Rocky mountain water in it. I like the idea of for some, I just, I know left hand almost exclusively for their milk stout. 
Right. Same here. I like that they have the range to go from a milk stout to a sour. That's a pretty big jump. Yeah, and it's quite good. It's the first time I've had it, but I like um, some of my favorites are Two Brothers makes one called In the Flesh. That's probably the most like the most sour of the sours I've had. Um, it's very good. Revolution's got Freedom of Speech, which is a peach one, and then Freedom of Press, which is um, I think Blackberry or something which is also really good. Avery from Denver has one called Algoza, which is just a, their standard. But then they have one called Bug Zapper, which I've been looking for. And I thought a liquor store by me had it. So I ordered it on Drizzly, which is like a delivery service. And then the guy called me right before the order was supposed to go and said they don't have it. So I was very upset. But one day I'll find it. But that's my new thing is I just love them. They're low alcohol, so they're low calorie. And they're really tart, and there's a lot going on, and I enjoy it quite a bit. If sours your number one, then I, I totally – it's for some reason, it's just, like, not my taste. And it might not be, like – it's not my taste right now, potentially. Right. I mean, yeah. I'd, we do this list again in a year. It, maybe it's up there. Robert Stack could be saying, and Andy's number one. Exactly. Sour. <laughs> he, he could be saying that. All right, my number one – is kind of a boring pick, but I'm hard-pressed to say it's anything else right now, is Pilsner. And there are a lot of Pilsners I like. I, I like Pilsner or Kel. It's just, like, classic. It's so good. Um, Revolution Pils, great. Um, Argus Brewery in Chicago also makes a pretty good Pilsner. Weirdly, the only reason this, like, I thought about taking it down a couple notches is... The most common Pilsner out here in the Bay Area is probably uh, Berkeley's Trumer Pils, which is not my favorite. I can't tell what's different, but it, it just doesn't quite hit the sweet spot like a, a good Pilsner does usually for me. I believe we were at a restaurant where they had it and you, you steered me clear of it, which I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 I think it's a decently good beer, but I just sense that like, you know, you're only going to be here for so many days. You want to have just the best beers. And frankly, Trumer Bill Pills is not one of the best beers. Step your game up, Trumer. They should. It's, it's too well known in this area for its own good. Do you have any honorable mentions that just missed your list? I do. I, I felt that IPAs should be in the honorable men mentions. I also like APAs or American Pale Ales. Um, <laughs> I guess... Gumball head is probably the most common for me in this area version of that, but that's, that's the type. It's a little bit different than an IPA. I like the whip beer that you mentioned. And then also I like a California common or steam beer. The most common one I've tried is anchor steam, which is very good. So that was, I had to throw that out there for California. Good pick. Yeah. That's a California classic for sure. Um, yeah. American pale ale. I just put like pale ale, uh, as a honorable mention. Uh, a Kolsch. Or yeah, I like a Kolsch. Putting together this list made me think that I want to have a little more variance in what I'm trying. Like I mentioned earlier with like sours was not on my list, but I haven't had a sour in years because I've just kind of steered clear. Same with like porters uh, or really anything particularly heavy I've not been drinking, but I want to mix it up a little bit more. I agree. I, I, I have always steered clear of like porter stouts, like the dark the, those really dark, except for like a black IPA, which I've had a few interesting ones, but 
Um, usually I just don't, I don't like them. Maybe I should try them again at some point. Yeah. Well, uh, if you know, there's a type of beer that we forgot to mention, or that is a favorite of our listeners, please do let us know. You can hit us up on our Twitter handle. That's at whiskey sessions or email us whiskey sessions, music at gmail.com. And we'll read your episode on a, or we'll read your email on a future episode, but let's get to them now. These are your emails. You sent us emails to read. Emails! And now we'll read them. All right. Uh, This email, uh, it says, Good day, Whiskey Sessions. I've been meaning to ask, what's up with preferring the K-E-Y spelling of whiskey to the K-Y spelling of whiskey? And this is from Drew in Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky. So that's a great question. I... I just prefer having the E in the spelling. And I think it's because if you are just spelling it K-Y instead of K-E-Y, you're missing the key to what makes whiskey good and what makes whiskey important and something that we want to talk about for this podcast. You're absolutely correct. Also, if it has no E at the end, I'm I'm worried that it's K-Y jelly um, trying to do some guerrilla marketing. And I'm I'm never a fan of that. No. I don't like it. If we're talking whiskey, we're talking whiskey and that's it. And you need the E in there. Exactly. Very astute email. Mm -hmm. Uh, What else we got in the old email inbox? Dear whiskey sessions. Can we expect a live tour? Once the new EP hits the digital shelves, sincerely, literally everyone. Wow. Well, tours aren't happening so much right now, what I've discovered, but we should make this happen. First of all, we now will have, enough songs to fill out a pretty legitimate set. Our first EP was five tracks. This one's going to be five tracks, 10 tracks. That's, you know, a a set that you'd expect to hear at a major concert. And we could, um, we could research what's the minimum amount of stops that constitutes a tour first <laughs> we get a yes and we can also do these and do these shows in an area where it's very easy to be distant so i think we could do it i think it's totally possible and i think it should be pursued but you know these eps have been so fun to record and it's not like we're not a stranger to playing live no we've got some experience we do so we, we could make this happen if literally everyone is asking for it, we probably should make this happen. Yeah, I was shocked to see that. Literally everyone at gmail.com. Yeah. Everyone did a pretty good job of scoring that email address. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. If you have an email to send us, uh, again, make sure to hit us up. Our email address is whiskey sessions music at gmail.com. Make sure you put that E in whiskey or we will not get it. Uh, and we'll read your email on a future episode. But that does it for this episode. Uh, be pimp. Do you have any words of wisdom to leave our listeners with? Keep the E in whiskey. Yes, keep that E in whiskey. Until next time, this is Amets. And be pimp. Peace out. Bye bye. Bye.